This morning, we continue in our series about the kingdom signs. What kinds of ways will we be known uh, as God's people in the world, as, as ambassadors of the kingdom that he is building in us and through us? And again, we're using Isaiah 61 as the base for that. Uh, in Luke 4, Jesus reads this passage in the local uh, synagogue and declares it's been fulfilled in him, and that begins his ministry, but it also publicly expresses what he's come to do for God's children. So Jesus brings the kingdom into our world, and he uh, installs it in his children, and it is made a reality through his children, all those who believe. And so we continue to look at how the kingdom of God uh, points to Jesus and his salvation. Uh, We read this morning in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9, verses 9 to 18. And we are kind of jumping all over Scripture looking at these uh, Scriptures, or looking at these stories. But this uh, Scripture in Nehemiah um, uh, 9, 9 to 18, is in the middle of the story of Nehemiah. And the story of Nehemiah, the people of God come back to the city of Jerusalem, and they start to rebuild it. And as they're rebuilding it, uh, they discover hidden in the walls um, the law of God. They discover a copy of the Torah. And as they read it, it convicts them and it convinces them uh, to change their ways and to recommit themselves to Yahweh. And this is part of uh, their reaction. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it in the sermon. But uh, this is uh, from... Nehemiah 9, uh, verses 9 to 18. Uh, You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them, so they passed through it on dry ground. But you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day you led them with a pillar of cloud, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the way they, uh, on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven. And in their thirst, you brought water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you'd sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they... Your people, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked and in their rebellion appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, Therefore, you did not desert them, even when they cast for themselves an image of a calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt, or when they committed awful blasphemies. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Have you ever forgotten something important? Unfortunately for my family, I descend from a long line of absent-minded husbands and fathers. Now, this doesn't mean we forget everything, and I'm a lot better, I think, than, you know, my dad. My dad forgets a ton of stuff. But we usually, and we usually remember important things, but every now and then we forget something we should have remembered. Uh, For example, when I was a kid, my dad once walked out of a restaurant and realized my four-year-old sister wasn't with us. Uh, So he, you know, he's forgetting a child would certainly have been the most important thing that he'd ever forgotten. And so uh, he ran back inside. He was alarmed. He looked at us. He said, where's your sister? And he ran back inside to get her. My brother and I, though, standing at the, uh, you know, about to get into the car, thought that he'd gone crazy. Because my four-year-old sister, uh, from her perch on my dad's shoulders, uh, thought that this was great fun. He thought that it was, she thought that it was wonderful. And so uh, we watched my dad kind of walk back into the Cracker Barrel and say, have you seen my daughter with her on his shoulders? And a lot of confused faces. Um, but this is an inherited forgetfulness. Um, I, was, I was never in any of my college yearbooks. Like, Never. I mean, I was there in the background. I was in then some group shots, you know, candid shots. But uh, my school uh, sent me weekly emails to keep students informed on what was happening. But I never wrote down the day and time of when they were taking pictures. It just wasn't like, I don't know, it just wasn't on my radar, I guess. One day a year, my roommate would get super dressed up, and I never knew why. <laughs> he, he, uh, this was South Carolina, so he wore his best bow tie. And I never understood, why is he dressed up like that? Uh, recently, I've forgotten to put gas in the car, which means I receive a few unexpected phone calls from my exasperated wife um, and lectures from my little girls telling me how I made them late for Sunday school or for preschool. Again, this is something that happens a lot. This past Sunday, I uh, heard about forgetfulness uh, from every lady in my family, plus my daughter's Sunday school uh, 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 preschool teachers who thought it was funny um, that I had forgotten to fill up with gas. From now on, I vow to fill the car up, so help me God. <laughs> of course, we can all be a little bit forgetful. It's easy to forget your password every now and then, especially when you have a different password for everything uh, that asks for a password. In school, it was hard to remember the details of American history or French verbs or, uh, you know, algebra equations when you're in the middle of a test. It's hard to recall every character detail of the show that you might uh, be watching. It's human to forget every now and then. Uh, we know this because Hallmark makes belated birthday cards. <laughs> because they know at some point, some of us at some point will fail to remember the moment someone close to us was born. In the middle of crowded schedules and commitments, uh, keeping up with everything we need to remember sometimes feels impossible. Unfortunately for us, as we find in our scripture today, we learn humanity has a fatal tendency not just to forget the trivial, but the essential. So in Nehemiah 8, the recently recovered law of God was read at the beginning of the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was a three-week celebration of God's goodness and love. It was a very exciting time. Most people in that audience, uh, exiles recently returned to Jerusalem, had never heard the law 
uh, in its entirety. Uh, They never heard the story of God's relationship with his chosen people. And as they listened to the accounts of God's mercy and their ancestors' repeated rebellion, their response was not joy, but overwhelming sorrow. Looking back at their own history, they saw their their family's rebellion as the disaster that it was. Not, Not just a spark that led to exile, but it was the rejection of the good that their God has promised to their people. Their grief over their sin became so great, uh, so great, the priests in Nehemiah 8 commanded them not to weep, but celebrate the feast as they were supposed to. And then three weeks later, after this party had ended, the people gathered again to publicly confess that for nearly their entire history, they had consistently forgotten the goodness of their God. Notice, uh, it's important to notice that this second gathering was not something that was required by the law. Uh, It was a voluntary choice that recognized their need for repentance. Not only had they committed to fasting, which is the opposite, the exact opposite of the feast that they just experienced, but they wore the traditional clothing of sinners seeking pardon. They exchanged their, their, their nice clothes, their party clothes for sackcloth. They covered their faces with ashes. In a physical posture of repentance, faces to the ground, the priests led this lengthy prayer. It is the entire uh, chapter 9 uh, that recounts the entire history of God and his people. And together the people confess that despite God's enduring faithfulness, They had failed to remember his promises and commands and wandered into active rebellion, not just once or twice, but again and again and again. We see this uh, within the prayer itself. In Nehemiah uh, 9, 16 to 17, the priests say the people uh, acted presumptuously and they stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. Uh, In the Hebrew, the phrase acted presumptuously is the exact same phrase used to describe the Egyptians acting presumptuously, acting arrogantly against the Israelites earlier in the prayer. The priests then are saying that the Israelites are acting in the same way the Egyptians did during the plagues, which is a pretty big comparison. The Egyptians were sort of the epitome of evil. They were the very bad guys. They were the folks that, um, uh, that had put, uh, they had crushed the Israelites for years. But here they're saying they're the exact same as the people who hurt them. That is, they refused to listen to the Lord. A stiff in their neck means that they stubbornly listened only to themselves. The Hebrew word used for obey here, Shema, can be translated as pay attention to or focus on or even remember. We also see that the people were not mindful of the wonders that was perform- were performed among them. And they'd forgotten what God had done in their journey to the promised land. Now, these phrases are used to describe the people throughout the rest of the prayer. They keep coming up again and again, usually immediately after the Lord had blessed them beyond their wildest imaginations. This cycle, we see the cycle of forgetfulness. 
And it reveals how sin not only works in them, but also works in us too. The sin that rests in us wants us to forget not just what God has tangibly done for us, not just how he's blessed us, but he wa- sin wants us to forget our identity as children of God. This spiritual amnesia prevents us from looking at our lives or our future with hope. And it ultimately leads us to wander away from the Lord and into outright rebellion. Sin wants us to forget the reality of God's love for his children so that we have nothing to hold on to when we stumble into the valleys of this broken world. Nothing to hope for when we enter a dark night or hard season. Nothing to believe in when faced with the unbearable weight, the heaviness of just being human in this broken world. This is why the Lord commands in Deuteronomy 4 to take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget what your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of their life. A simpler translation might be, be careful to remember what the Lord has done, because only then will you remember who you really are. Looking Across the centuries, the people who rebuilt Jerusalem with Nehemiah recognized the same pattern of forgetfulness existed in themselves and needed to be corrected if they were supposed to flourish. And they wept in this moment when they returned to Jerusalem after exile because they knew they did not deserve the love of their God. Confronted by their history, they looked into their own hearts and they realized that moving forward without help, they too, at some point, would forget their Lord and make the same mistakes again. But they found their hope in the same history in which they were condemned. In a world full of such chaos and noise, it can be hard to remember, much less listen to our Lord. His voice seems to be drowned out by the chaos around us. It's easy to look at the news and forget the Lord still moves with power and mercy in a culture that has so clearly wandered from him. It's even easier to lose our connection with our Lord so that instead of recognizing our God as our constant companion and guide, like he's promised to be, We sometimes treat him like an old friend, someone that we love, that we care for, but we haven't really kept in touch with. Because we haven't talked to him recently, it's easy to forget his voice and hard to to remember what he's really like. All of us have friendships, relationships that have fallen away, and we let that happen too often with our God, too. But just like the, uh, the Israelites realized in Nehemiah, even when we fail to remember our Lord, our God always remembers us. Our God always remembers us. As the people confess, they rightfully describe their ancestors 
and themselves as forgetful and disobedient. They were inconsistent and unfaithful. They were rebellious and unreliable. But the Lord, throughout this same history, is described in opposite terms, using the Hebrew word hesed, which can be translated accurately as any of the following words in English. Okay, any of these words work when thinking about the steadfast love of God. Steadfast love, everlasting kindness, eternal loyalty, persistent grace, unconditional mercy. Uh, Bible scholar Ian Duguid defines hesed as God's self-governing principle that works itself out in this way. Having entered a covenant relationship with his people, God bound himself to act toward them in certain ways, and he is utterly faithful to this commitment. This deep love can be found throughout the prayer's description of the Lord, but especially when he responds to the rebellion and forgetfulness of his people. He was and is always ready to forgive. He is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and he is abounding in steadfast love. Now, we know this about our God, but we need to understand when these descriptions of God's love come. Because even when his own children rejected him, God refuses to leave them to their own devices. Our God kept his people safe and fulfilled every promise he made to them. When the people rebelled, his kindness did not fade and his love never faltered. Even more wonderfully, this steady refusal to wash his hands of Israel isn't just something he does, but who the Lord is. Our God has always identified himself as the Lord who remembers his people. When Moses talked to the Lord on Mount Sinai, what did the people do as they were waiting? We see this in the scripture, but we can remember it from Exodus The people rebelled and they decided to make a golden calf to worship. The Lord knew what his children had done, how deeply they had rejected everything he had already done and was doing for them. But he loved them still. Immediately after a rebellion, the Lord continued to lead them to the promised land anyway. When the people heard their Lord's name. They were to remember that God loved them forever. In this way, the Lord kind of did share one quality with his people. Because the love of God is stubborn. The love of God does not go away. The love of God does not fade when we do something that upsets him. Even when we rebel, even when we forget his commands, when we forget how to treat one another, our God's love remains. When our God sets his eyes on you, he will never, ever, ever let you go. David writes about this aspect of God's love in Psalm 23, when he's 23, 6, when he says that the Lord's goodness will surely follow him all the days of his life. One commentator wrote uh, that the Lord, the word follow normally describes the pursuit of pillaging armies or the inevitable capture of uh, uh, by an unescapable enemy. 
In this way, David is convinced the Lord's faithful love and goodness will find him. Indeed, relentlessly hunting him down for his own good. That is the kind of love God has for each of us. The love of God always pursues his children. He seeks after each of us with such persistence and grace. It might seem sometimes that you are the only person in the world that he loves. That is the nature of his love for us. Never ending. Forever calling, but also fundamentally transforming. And the love of God, we are truly known because only the love of God reveals who we truly are. Not only hopeless sinners, but beloved children redeemed by his mercy. That is how we know who we are. Only in the love of God. This identity can only truly be seen in Jesus The Lord understood the ability of his people to remember who they were was at best unreliable. Eventually, all of us forget the steadfast love of our God. Like an infant that hasn't developed object permanence, we forget the goodness of God as soon as our vision shifts to something else. Either we are distracted by the chaos around us, we're overwhelmed by the by the brokenness we've experienced in our lives, or we are just distracted and wander away. But the remedy to such repeated forgetfulness is not just try harder to remember next time. That still places the responsibility uh, on us, and we are unable to follow him in the way that we are supposed to. We need more than a memory, something that doesn't just remind, but breaks the cycle of forgetfulness itself. And in the death of Jesus, we find that. The cross doesn't just remind us of God's mercy. It writes, it inscribes God's grace and love into the fabric of our souls, ensuring that we never forget his love again. On the cross, our God unites himself with his children, and we can always, always look back there and remember that no matter how far we have wandered, no matter how much the world has crushed us, no matter how deeply broken we might feel, our God loves us and will make our entire life new again. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he writes himself onto every day of our calendar. He accompanies us on every errand. He sits with us during every trial and is present with us every minute of the day so we might remember how deep our God's love is for us, really. So that we might remember that we are his so that we might remember nothing can tear us away from his grasp. Our God always remembers his children. Not one second of our day is forgotten under his watchful eyes. So as Paul writes in Hebrews 10, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Or as we might say it today, let us forever remember how our God 
remembers us. Hallelujah. Amen. If you would pray with me. Holy God, you are worthy to be praised. Lord, you have filled this world with your beauty. You have filled our lives with your presence. You have given us blessings that we do not deserve, but you have given us, you have freed us to live as representatives of your kingdom. Lord, we are your children. We too often forget that. We are beloved by you. Lord, it's hard to remember sometimes. Under normal circumstances, we are afraid of the future. We are troubled by the past. We are overwhelmed by the present. Lord, in this time when the expectations of this world are still so confusing, we forget your promises even more quickly. The uncertainty of what might come next, all the worry and stress that comes with the news and just with living life, Lord, it weighs us down so heavily and we lose sight of what you've done for us. Lord, help us remember the depth of your grace and beauty. Remind us how deeply you love us. Help us remember in dark times you are faithful, that even when we sleep, you are awake, watching our every move. Lord, help us remember that even when we do not feel it, even when we do not feel your presence, you are still with us. Lord, we pray for those struggling with illness today. We pray especially for those uh, in the hospital uh, recovering. We pray especially for, for Becky Laughlin and for Ben. Lord, there is a road ahead of them that is difficult, but it is something that they can do with you. With your help, you can help them heal Lord, help Becky heal. We ask that you grant her healing as she recovers from the stroke. And be with Ben as he learns how to care for her in a new way. And Lord, help us to support them too. Lord, help us to be present with every person in this congregation who is struggling with illness, with recovery. Lord, if someone here is walking under a burden, they cannot carry themselves, help us to carry it with them. Lord, we also ask for protection and strength for people around the world, for our nation. Lord, we ask that you establish your peace and justice around the world. Lord, help us to be salt and light so that others might know the kind of people that follow you are humble and bold, merciful and kind, patient and hopeful. Father, we ask that you hear all our prayers resting on our hearts, and we pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.